It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 497 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, April 20th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, remember the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered with 30 team-focused NBA shows, 32 NFL shows as well. All 32 teams covered ahead of the draft in particular is a very good time to check out the Locked On Podcast Network, I believe the draft is next weekend, so please find it. If you're interested in a team, what they're going to do in the draft, if you're interested in a player or a prospect, make sure you're checking out all the Locked On NFL shows to get yourself prepared for that. Of course, all of the series in the NBA covered extensively on the Podcast Network as well with all the local hosts, local perspectives, people covering games, people who are there in the shit watching the games. Make sure you are listening to those shows if you want the best local perspective on every single series going on. And uh, make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing as well. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya, new podcast app. If you're in the market for a new podcast app, the old ones are uh, not treating you so well, make sure you check out Himalaya. It's great for personally personally curating your own podcast playlist. I say that thing every time I promote Himalaya, and I can't believe I get through it without stumbling over my words every single time um, because it's a tongue twister. But anyway, Himalaya, make sure you're checking it out. If you want a new podcast app, all right. On today's show, the Raptors beat the Orlando Magic in Game 1, or Game 3 of their series, sorry, down in Orlando, 98-93. I'm going solo to break this one down today. A very emotionally 
uh, up and down game. It was, uh, it seemed very early on that the Raptors kind of had a handle on things. They got into, I believe, a 10-2 run. They were up 20-10 to at one point in the first quarter. The defense kind of came out with the exact same sort of smothering identity that it had in game two where they started 16 to two and the, and the magic just couldn't hit anything same was the case at the start of game three and then things got a little haywire the raptors got into a little bit of foul trouble marcus Gasol uh picked up i think two fouls early on and abak had to come in and or i guess the more pronounced foul trouble was later on in the third quarter but the real sort of thing that got me was the weird lineups that nick nurse ran out to end the first quarter where it was all dudes that were not Kyle Lowry or, or Kawhi Leonard, which is a thing that I don't agree with. Uh, and I think a lot of people were very much expressing their concern with that rotation decision late in the first quarter. And it didn't totally sewer the Raptors. Those lineups did a little bit better than I even expected they would. Um, you know, lineups featuring the three bench guys, Norm, Fred, and Serge Ibaka with like Danny Green or Pascal Siakam. Uh, I think Jody Meeks got in there a little bit actually in place of Danny Green so it was like four bench guys plus Siakam and it wasn't the most offensively riveting basketball Um, Siakam kind of bailed them out as was the case most of the night uh, with some nice shot making and and playmaking of his own but those lineups weren't particularly good and that was kind of the story of this game is just any lineup that wasn't the starters kind of just listed a little bit and made it really tricky for the Raptors to kind of get out to any sort of edge and it was, you know, a frustrating game back and forth. It, it very much felt like a game the Raptors were in control of most of the time, but it was not a game where they were ever able to pull away because the Magic would have a nice defensive, you know, flurry and kind of shut down Kawhi Leonard. It got Kawhi pretty frustrated with the lack of calls going his way, um, which I think is a fair assessment. And Kawhi had his worst game of the playoffs so far, just 16 points, 10 boards, 4 assists as well, 6 turnovers, 5 and 19 shooting. Uh, the DeMar DeRozan comparisons were out, and uh, because he's not DeMar DeRozan, it was kind of funny. I partook, and that's fine, uh, because this is going to be, I would imagine, one of the very worst games Kawhi Leonard will play in a Raptors uniform in the playoffs, so I'm not too concerned about that. And my th- whole takeaway from this game, if I'm going to get to my biggest takeaway, was that this was there for the Magic to take. This was a game in which Nikola Vucevic finally got going. He had 22-14-6. and six. He got the luck of the Raptors having foul trouble, where Marcus Salt only played 26 minutes. Serge Ibaka had to play a lot of minutes against Vucevic, particularly in the third quarter. And the Magic got going a little bit there. And even with that, the Raptors were able to pull it out. So if this is going to be a game where you're going to get peak Vooch, where he's going to get to the line six times, he's going to go seven to 13, he's going to put up 22, he's going to hit two threes, um, and also throw six assists. Like, if you're going to get that Vooch and not win, that is a damning sign to me if I'm, if I'm a Magic fan, because this game was very much there for the Magic. All the things happened that you needed to happen if you're the Magic. Um, you know, Kawhi had himself a really rough game. Um, you, you the foul trouble for the Raptors at inopportune times. The third quarter was really rough. Thank you, Tony Brothers. Uh, and, and it felt really like the game was teetering there in the third quarter as it got really close. The Magic, I think, took a lead at 61-60. That was their only lead of the game. And it really felt like it, you could kind of see it getting away from the Raptors there because, as some people pointed out, this run by the Magic to take the lead was happening while the bench still hadn't just checked in in the third quarter. And that was troubling. And you're, you're sitting there looking in the horizon like, all right, what's the deficit the starters are going to have to come back in the final eight minutes of the game from? And uh, as it turned out, they took a timeout. 
I was preaching, and we can talk about this a little bit later, I was preaching to, you know, maybe try Pascal Siakam at center, try to put the magic on their heels a little bit, try to run Nikola Vucevic off the court while he's kind of picking apart Serge Ibaka. And instead, Nick Nurse stuck with the the starting five we saw for most of the season before the Marcus Gasol trade, Ibaka at center with the regular four around him, and that lineup found its way and went on a 15-0 run and kind of reestablished control of the game. And that was great to see. That was encouraging. And then it kind of gave a bit of leeway for the bench at the end of the third, start of the fourth to, you know, not play particularly well. They weren't awesome by any means, but uh, they were enough to sort of kick the can down the road for the Raptors a little bit. And it seemed like at the start of the fourth, the Raptors couldn't get much going offensively, but the Magic just couldn't take advantage at the other end. And that was uh, kind of the story of the game. You know, there were bench lineups for the Raptors in this one that were really good. Uh, bench lineups that were bad. It was kind of all, you couldn't really pinpoint any single sort of lineup that was particularly great uh, on, of the bench units, but like none of them were like terribly ghastly bad. Um, it was just a matter of those lineups not being as proficient as the starting lineup, which you just want to see out there. Some lineup data through three games. The starters right now in 54 minutes are a plus 44.6 net rating, 125.7 offensive, 81.1 defensive. They are absolutely blitzing the magic. And we've seen it manifested in those crazy runs to start games, 20 to 10, 10 to 16 to all that stuff. That's what that lineup is doing. And they are a damn monster of a lineup to try to beat if you're the magic. And that gives me a lot of confidence. If do, games do get close in the as the series goes along here, as the magic try to extend it, I kind of believe that you can just sub in that, that starting five at the end of games, and that's going to be enough to uh, hold off whatever charge the Magic are making because they have shown no ability to score or defend, uh, score on or defend against that start, starting lineup for the Raptors. So that's a good encouraging sign. Another encouraging, sort of semi-encouraging sign is that the Raptors have kind of found a bit of a bench unit that does sort of work. Um, and of course, they've struggled with these in-between lineups the entire series and the entire season, but... They've settled on, it seems like the, the, the second unit, the preferable second unit, is going to be Lowry with Fred Van Vliet, uh, Norm Powell, and then Siakam and Ibaka, and that makes a lot of sense. You get the three bench guys in there, you keep Lowry on the floor, you keep Siakam on the court. There's a lot of creation there. The Ibaka-Pascal front court has always worked pretty well as well, and so that lineup's been okay. It's kind of a strange efficiency slash line for it, so they're a plus 11.4 net rating, but that's on a 78 offensive rating and a 66.7 defensive rating. So it's not like they're blowing the, the magic out of the water offensively or anything with that lineup. They're kind of being stymied a little bit, but their defense has been so good, and it makes sense. Like, that's a good defensive lineup. There's length even with the two point guards out there uh, because Norm, you know, has some length for his size as well, and obviously the Siakam and Ibaka front court has always been pretty good defensively, so it makes some sense, I guess, that it would work, especially if it's not being matched up against Vucevic most of the time. It's kind of the lineup they throw when Ken Birch is out there. Um, and so I, I think that's a good thing that they've settled on. That is a tricky thing to manage, of course, because when you had the two point guards out there, because Jeremy Lin's so unplayable, they don't have that third point guard. This is where like DeLon Wright is missed most, is Lowry and Fred usually work well together with bench units, but if you can't have another guy to sort of absorb some point guard minutes, absorb some minutes at the two, it becomes tricky to have those guys out there together for too long because it's just the, the minutes will pile up too much, I think, if you're running Lowry out, you know, most of the first quarter and then a lot of the second quarter. Like, he's, it's just, you don't want to play him 44 minutes, I don't think, that you're not going to get the most effective Lowry if you're doing that. Um, so that, that's a tricky thing that Nick Nurse has to manage. It's still doable, obviously, and you can stagger them as such that 
Um, you're not totally running up Kyle's minutes. You can take him at a little earlier. You can add extra minutes to Fred's load, although maybe that's a problem because Fred has not been particularly good so far in this series. But, you know, that's a nice thing that they've actually settled on is that that bench unit does seem like the one they're going to try to go to. Um, that's the second most used lineup for the Raptors in this series with 20 minutes. Um, so if those two staple lineups can kind of continue what they're doing, that bench unit has never had to score a ton. Just like defend the leads that the that, that the, the starters kind of get you and then just don't piss it away. They don't have to be a crazy deadly offensive unit. They can be, you know, just kind of steady and st- play the same defense they have and they can be okay and sort of stem the tide until the starters come back in. Um, so that that's an encouraging thing. that they like. I was wondering what the actual bench unit was going to look like to go to number two lineup, and if it's going to be Lowry, Fred, Powell, Siakam, and Ibaka, I think that is pretty good. Um, what such a weird... If, like the across-the-board stats for this lineup are insane. So they're a 78 offensive, 66.7 defensive, as I mentioned. They have a 92.3 assist percentage. Um, they also have a 41.2 true shooting percentage, which is insane and terrible. And like DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs, bad. So uh, very, very bizarre lineup. But it's getting the job done, I guess. And that's all you kind of need in the playoffs. Um, I'm not worried about the beauty of the wins as much as it'd be nice to blow the teams out every single time out. The Magic were hyped up for this one, their first playoff game since 2012, and I like I wasn't expecting the Raptors to go in there and completely walk away with the win. They ended up pulling it up in the end because they're the Raptors and they're more talented and more experienced and all that stuff. Um, but that's besides the lineup point I was making. Just, yeah, those lineups, they don't have to be pretty. They just get it done, and I think that is... A nice step forward to actually have a second unit that might actually be something that the Raptors can go to every single time as opposed to um, still workshopping what those second intermediate lineups are going to look like. Um, There have still been some really bad lineups. A lot of them feature like many starters with one or two bench guys and those just, it feels like really small sample stuff. Obviously, every one of these samples is small, even the starter sample of just 54 minutes. It's a tiny sample. Um, the the results and the extreme results kind of suggest that it's working and is something that's going to continue to work um, because the extremes usually are pretty telling. But uh, yeah, the, the 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 intermediate lineups are still a thing Nick Nurse has to work on, and this is where you really see the lack of OG Ananobi. And I think this is a thing that um, is really. I don't know if it's that much of a problem for this Orlando series because the Raptors are much better, but it does give me a little bit of pause going forward against the Sixers, assuming that's the second round matchup. I still think the Raptors will win that series, but not having OG or him not being 100%, we don't really have an update on when he's going to come back. But that just makes those in-between lineups that much more difficult to figure out. And it also kind of limits the versatility. So last night... I posited in the middle of the third quarter, as I mentioned, that maybe you play Pascal Siakam at center and just try to run Nikola Vucevic off the court. You have Siakam just like galloping up and down the court and, um, you know, he's stretching. He's three or four from deep. He can stretch out a little bit. You can have him be the screener and it makes it a whole lot more difficult to decide whether or not you're going to trap the ball handler um, as opposed to, you know, what it would be like if, if Ibaka was doing it. And I, you know, the one thing that people like got, kind of got back to me with was, I agree this would be a good thing, but who the hell do you play on the wings? And that's a good point because Kawhi would have slid down to the four in this like ideal situation, obviously. Um, Danny Green to the three, and then you're kind of sitting there like, oh, okay, do you go two point guards and sort of sacrifice some length? Do you go Norm? There's not really a perfect option in there. I probably would lean Norm because he's always been pretty good in those small lineups. Think of his best times 
as a playoff performer usually come as sort of the fourth or fifth option where it's swinging to to you in a small sort of ball movement heavy lineup that's kind of where norm you know butters his bread and so i thought that could work and i still think that lineup can work and i would like to see it at some point here if vooch has another big game in game four maybe that's something nick nurse can go to is play pascal at the center and you know because he's rebounded so well in this series because leonard's such a good rebounder as well for his position um i feel you can get by with those two being your front court on the glass even with vooch out there because the magic aren't like a crazy aggressive offensive rebounding team that also plays into this i think you could actually get away with that and sort of do the thing that Dwayne Casey never really did, which was press an advantage, try to put the other team on their heels. And Nick Nurse hasn't really done that so far in this series. Maybe he doesn't feel like he has to because it's the magic, which I get and understand. But I I do wonder if that's going to be a thing that Nick Nurse can do and is going to be you know bold enough to do, which is, hey, this isn't working for us right now. Do we stay the course? And credit to Nick Nurse, stayed the course last night and it worked. But I think against more difficult teams, staying the course is not always going to be the thing. Teams with more chess pieces to play, you can't just stick with the same thing, with the same things that you have you know used all season that you feel comfortable with. You kind of got to get outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And they haven't used Siakam at the center a ton this season. When they have, it's usually been pretty good. And that was a thing I wish we would have seen last night. Even though the results ended up being positive for the Raps, I would have liked to see that Siakam in center lineup. You know, it's, again, tricky to manage because of no OG. Um, and you're not as big and sprawling as you would be if you threw OG in there. You slid Kawhi back to the three, slide Danny back to the two. But I still think that's a pretty potent lineup you could throw out there, um, considering Norm's ability as an off-the-catch, off uh, on-a-swing, you know, sort of attacker, right? That's kind of Norm's... You know, very best skill is attacking uh, closeouts as sort of the weak, sky, weak side guy that the ball swings to. And I, I would like to see that lineup more. I just want to see it. I see Occam at center, I'm a real sucker for, and I think the rebounding will be fine. And if that's the case, and, and, and you know, you can handle the rebounding, I feel like that's going to really limit the effectiveness of Vucevic. And yes, maybe Vuce kind of punishes uh, Siakam there. Uh, you can sort of work around that if they're going to post him up a bunch, send doubles, because the shooters around the perimeter for the Magic aren't particularly scary. Um, I think there are ways to get around it. It's worth at least trying, I think, because I do think there's some potential there. Or maybe they just wait for it and use it against Joel Embiid and see if they can, uh, you know, catch him by surprise or something like that, or Brooke Lopez something down the road. Maybe they're saving that bullet, which again, fine, that's cool, but I don't know if the playoffs are a time to be saving bullets. Before we continue the podcast, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is WiseCam. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. 1080p full HD, images so clear you won't miss a thing, night vision, and two-way audio. You get it all with WiseCam. Wise's mission is to bring amazing smart home products into every single home, make them accessible to everyone. Check on your home anytime with Wise's app's live stream. Connect with life as it unfolds in sharp focus, live stream with eight times digital zoom you get free 14-day rolling cloud storage with wise as well with no subscriptions required and you can add any camera for 20 bucks it's just you can have 10 cameras if you want you know, i want to watch the birds in the bird feeder i want to watch the kids in the playroom i want to watch the stove when i have uh, cook food on the stove and i want to go sit down and have a glass of wine you can do all of that with Wise, and it's only $20 a camera. Again, no subscriptions, and you get 14-day free rolling cloud storage. You want more, they have that too. For just $10 more, Wise Campan gives you 360-degree coverage in under three seconds. Life moves fast, your camera should too. It's got 110-degree per second rotation speed, 
360 degree horizontal range and a 93 degree vertical range. Patrol your room with pan scan. You can set the camera's patrol route with up to four custom waypoints. You can track the action as well. With WiseCam Pan, it automatically detects tags and tracks motion within its field of view. Keeping up with life in real time has never been so easy. It also works with Alexa or whatever other smart smart speaker you have. It also works with any mobile device. You could be in Europe, for example, and you're on vacation. You want to check in on what's going on at home. You can check in on the Wise app on your mobile phone from anywhere. And also, again, free 14-day rolling cloud storage with no subscriptions. That is such a great feature. And to get the very best price on WISE, go to WISE.com locked to get the guaranteed lowest price. That is WISE.com, W-Y-Z-E.com locked to get the guaranteed lowest price on WISECAM. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're back. Pascal Siakam. Uh, holy God, man. What an incredible performance uh something i you know i haven't been scared of what siakam is going to do in this series because he's obviously proven he can score against whatever long defense the magic are throwing at him and you know jonathan isaac is awesome and my god that dude is going to be so good and i don't think it's unfair to say that he has some siakam qualities to him and that he's going to be very much in the running to be like a most improved player type next season, a first-team All-NBA type at some point in his career. That dude's amazing. But Pascal Siakam has proven that he's kind of matchup-proof at this point. Like, if this matchup isn't slowing him down, I'm not really sure which one is going to, uh, barring, like, Giannis just, like, Ding up on him, which I think if that happens in a potential conference finals, you're happy, because then Kawhi is not guarded by Giannis, and that sort of frees things up. But this is what Siakam does now, right? He makes teams really have to think about how they're going to use their defensive resources. It's not just, let's just apply everything to stop Kawhi. You know, you trap Kawhi, you get the ball out of his hands. Oh no, it's swung to Pascal Siakam and he's hitting a three in the corner or he's driving on you and hitting a finish off the glass from the craziest angle you've ever seen. Like he's just made the process of game planning for the Raptors so much more difficult. Of course, last night, 30 points, 11 boards, four assists, no turnovers, 13 to 20 from the field, three of four from deep, his first three threes made in this series. Um, just a, a, an outstanding, ridiculous, like heartwarming performance from Pascal Siakam on a night where uh, you didn't have the best of Kawhi Leonard, and he was really bothered by the lack of calls and the extra attention the Magic were sending his way. Credit to Leonard. I mean, he had six turn- turnovers here. I still think he did a pretty good job of you know moving the ball along out of those traps. I don't think that was like a thing where the Raptors got killed. Uh, credit to Serge Ibaka as well too for making some nice plays on the short roll. He had two assists in this one, both out of those four-on-three situations that uh, a Kawhi trap created. But Siakam, just with all of that going on, with you know the bench not really having much offensive juice, with Fred having a rough night, with uh, Marcus All missing a ton of time for foul trouble, with with Kawhi going 5-19, like Siakam was just like there to bail them out at any moment where it felt felt like the game was teetering. It's like, oh yeah, there's Siakam, you know, pump faking a dude out of his shoes, um, which just like an advanced old man Louis Scola move that is just like so beyond what he was able to do even a year ago. It's it's just ridiculous. His defense was outstanding in this game as well. Um, he, he was just all over the place, poking the ball loose. Like th- this was a thing that happened 
maybe five or six times in the first quarter is, you know, the Magic would drive and the Raptors would kind of converge and just get their hands in there. Siakam poked a bunch of balls free. He was credited with no steals, but he's got to be included on a whole bunch of those four Mark Gasol steals because Gasol, you know, a lot of it was just like, okay, Siakam gets a hand in there, Kawhi gets a hand in there, you know, and and Gasol recovers the loose ball. Um, It was just like a really, really like encompassing performance by Siakam and this is the reason that you feel confident about this team going forward is that there is a really good second option there who has proven so far through three games that he's going to be a viable second option I will admit like there was a bit of trepidation because of the poor numbers this season against the uh, magic that you know maybe Siakam was going to be maybe more of a regular season offensive player maybe he was going to be challenged to shoot his threes and in the first two games he was and he and he wasn't successful and you could argue that maybe that was indicative of maybe him not being cut out just yet to be a go-to playoff scorer but he just he worked like he just has counters for everything at this point he because he can shoot, teams have to close out him on a close out on him a little bit more. He's got the handle working a little bit here. Uh, no turnovers is such a huge thing for him because he can get a little bit reckless at times. He is prone to turning the ball over and kind of getting into a bit of tunnel vision where he seems like he's almost working on his game in game. Where it's like if he screws up one time, he's not going to stop doing it until he gets you know something out of it. So he'll come down three four times in a row and try to make a play. And sometimes it'll go haywire three or four times in a row, and that can kind of derail things for the Raptors off. Not the case in this one. Um, You know, grabbing those 11 boards, it's got to be that off of at least 10 of those, he's the guy bringing the ball up the court. And that is such another just wonderful way Siakam affects the the game, right? Like he becomes a a primary ball handler at times because of his rebounding, because of his ability to bring it up the floor. It leaves Kyle Lowry to hang out off the ball. So many of Kyle's threes in this series um, have been, you know, things where he sort of pops up to the wing because he's just hanging out off ball. He gets a screen set for him. They run a nice little set and, you know, boom, Lowry's got a three. I think it happened on the first play of the game last night. It's just Siakam opens up so much for this team. It makes them way more difficult to game plan for. They're so much less predictable. And he has proven that he's going to be able to keep up his efficiency in the playoffs, at least through three games. Um, and because of the the level of the defense that he's facing in Jonathan Isaac, it makes me pretty confident that it's going to carry over. You know, I don't think Tobias Harris can guard him. I just don't think that's a thing. Um, again, if they're going to use Giannis to guard him in a potential Bucks series, that is a win for the Raptors because it frees up Kawhi and, and Lowry and Danny Green and, and, and Gasol. Like, that, that's just... The defensive resources are so much more spread thin with Siakam doing what he's doing. It's just, it's, I know we talk about him all the time, and I'm amazed by him all the time, but it just, it does not stop being amazing. Uh, it's just, it's it's outstanding. It's been a lot of fun to watch this sort of, uh, this sort of growth and see him be able to do this in the playoffs and sort of be the efficient scorer, the secondary scorer that the Raptors have not had in the past in the playoffs. It's, it's outstanding. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I suppose we should finish off uh, the podcast before I let you go to enjoy your Easter weekends uh, with a bit of talk about Kyle Lowry. Uh, Here's the thing that Kyle Lowry did late in the game that was absolutely insane. Kyle Leonard, the step back, over Gordon, it's short, who wants it, Rory! 
season. What a play by Kyle Lowry. The shot clock is off. Aaron Gordon commits the foul way about the basket attempts. Kyle freaking Lowry, man. That step play, that rebound, just like soaring in from no like out of nowhere to grab it. It's uh it's what makes Kyle Lowry so good. He was really good in this game, I thought, overall. I mean, the team was really good when he was on the court, as tends to be the case. He had 12 points, 5 boards, 10 assists, kind of a perfect 2018-19 Kyle Lowry game. He was only 4-10 shooting, but he hit a 3 right off the top, which was great to see. I think it was the first basket of the game. Um, And he had a steal, he had a block. He was all over the place because he's Kyle freaking Lowry. Um, Kind of negotiated some foul trouble in the first half as well, and I thought it was really... Uh, ballsy of Nick Nurse to throw him in to close the second quarter. Um, the Raptors didn't take a ton of advantage of having Kyle back out there in the, at the end of the second quarter because they gave up that crazy Terrence Ross uh, buzzer beater from half court, which was, uh, for me, one of the coolest things about the game, and I have no problem with Terrence Ross going off for 24, baby. Um, I was right about him, but that's for another time. <laughs> um, but the just the way Lowry managed those three minutes, not picking up a foul. He didn't go try to be the hero and take a charge and potentially pick up another foul. Um, I, I thought he was just masterful at sort of managing the game, as he tends to be. And the, the end of the game play there, you know, people talk a lot about Marcus Smart and how he makes sort of plays that you can't quantify. And it feels like that kind of language is not used to talk about Kyle Lowry. And obviously Lowry is such a like lightning rod for like takes in the playoffs because of his perceived shortcomings. And he's had some very high-profile ones. He's also had some very low-key amazing games in the postseason and has not been a bad postseason player since like 2016 where he had two of his most signature games. So I... Don't buy the, like, obviously, I you people know that I'm not a buyer of the Kyle Lowry is bad sort of narrative, but um, there are people who think that, and I do think people who think that don't realize all of the Marcus Smarty plays that Lowry makes in addition to be, being able to shoot and play make and actually be a good offensive player. Um, like, he's Marcus Smart. If Marcus Smart could do anything offensively as good as Kyle Lowry can, um, it, it's just, he does everything. And that rebound late in that game, bailing out a Kawhi possession, which was not the best, not my favorite possession by any means. I know he's going through and he's trying to work through whatever he's going through. And it felt like he kind of had the Siakam thing a little bit where he was just trying to find something to get going and you know he'd do the same thing three or four times down the floor the magic defended him really well um he obviously didn't have his best night and you know i didn't love that late possession but for kyle to just like soar in and bail it out it's the most kyle lowry thing like one of the most kyle lowry plays i can think of of the last five years five plus years in the playoffs like it's such a Kyle Lowry move and this was a perfect Lowry game again 12-5-10 and that's just what you need from him at this point because Siakam's such a great offensive player because Danny Green can bail you out because of Kawhi like you don't have to have Kyle putting up 30 burgers in all these games he just did exactly what's necessary from him, and I and he brings in those plays where it's just like, okay, yeah, they won this game because of that, and it's really impressive. Love Kyle Lowry, and people who think he's bad are very much missing the point, and also missing out on watching one of the most fun and underdoggy type players. I'm not sure why Kyle Lowry's not like universally regarded as 
just like a really great story. People love to shit on him in the playoffs, obviously. Maybe it's because he talks to refs a lot, even though like everyone talks to refs and Kyle's right most of the time when he does talk to refs. Um, I don't know what it is, but Kyle is such a, a remarkable story, remarkable player, a remarkable career arc, and it's uh, it's really damn cool that he is the guy that Raptors fans get to watch every night. He's, he's awesome. Love him. And he really, really pulled that game out of his ass last night with that rebound. Uh, I, you know, who's to say they would have lost anyway? I still felt like that Rap- the Raptors were never going to lose the game. They felt like they were in control pretty much the entire time, even when the Magic made that late run. But Kyle was the stopper. like, And that, that's the reason why you feel like it's in control, right? Is Kyle's on the floor, and he kind of brings a calm. He brings a... Um, it's at the same time a calm and also a freneticism to the offense that is good, like a good sort of high kinetic energy um, where, where the ball's just popping around when he's out there in a way. It's not when Fred VanVleet's running the show uh, or when most other guys are running the show. He's just, he brings life to the entire offense. He makes it healthy and uh, credit to Kyle Lowry for a really nice game. And he's got two good games under his belt now. Hopefully at some point here, maybe a five game series win will kind of turn around the, uh, like the, the, the Lowry narrative once and for all, but it may, it may take some time for that. Um, but either way, uh, a really nice game overall from Kyle and, and a nice way for the Raptors to pull it out. I thought the Magic fought really hard. Their, their crowd was great, and it, they really, really were on the verge of pulling it out. And it, I think a lot of people made the comparison to Game 1 back in 2014 against the Nets where, you know, the jacked-up home crowd, the young team going up against the veteran squad, and they kind of make it closer than it should be. And the nerves maybe get the best of them at some point, but uh, it was just a, a really nice game from the Raps altogether. And I thought their defense was fantastic too, like ridiculous defense in this one. Evan Fournier, one of twelve. Aaron Gordon, four of ten. Weston Wandu and Michael Carter Williams. I mean, they're bad players, but they go two of ten combined. Um, you know, it was just a really, really nice overall defensive performance. Which is, again, I talked about this. The defense is what gives me so much hope for this team. Right? Is that they are not as pokeable as they have been in the past they don't have the open scabs they don't have the places teams can just go to pick apart a matchup and, and win a series swing a game that way and the they're just they're so oppressive when they want to be and you know the way Marcus Gasol Marcus has talked about getting stops on demand it really does feel like anytime the raps were teetering it's like okay we're just not going to allow anything for the next three minutes and we're going to score 15 points of our own and that's going to be the game that's going to swing the game in our favor for good um, so a really, really nice showing. I'm not sure what the Magic can really do in the next game. As I said off the top, like you got Vooch going in this game. Maybe you can get him more than 13 shots, but if you're doing that, like I don't know. It feels like if he's playing up against Gasol more often in the next game because uh, Gasol's not in foul trouble, then that's going to be a really tricky matchup for Vooch to really handle. And I like maybe a higher Vooch volume with more Gasol on the floor is not something you want. Maybe maybe Gasol kind of defers some of those shots to someone else because Vooch is kind of having trouble. I'm not sure, but like you got good Vooch in this game. You got what he did in the regular season, and it wasn't enough. And Maybe Evan Fournier is going to be better than 1 for 12. He's been god-awful in this series. I don't know what's going on with Evan Fournier. Um, like, DJ Augustine's kind of leveled out to be the less offensive... Uh, <laughs> the, 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 you know, he's not the 25-point scorer he was in Game 1. He's the 7 to 12-point scorer he's been pretty much the entire season, and he was really bad last night, kind of neutralized once again. Kyle, Danny Green, everyone doing a good job there. And, you know, it's just... It feels like the Raptors kind of have, have solved this thing... Not that it really needed solving because the talent was always so overwhelming anyway, but um, the Magic 
while they're trying extremely hard, their defense is very, very good and hard to pick apart. They just don't have the offensive juice to keep up. They were just 29 of 80 from the field last night. Like, that's some insane field goal defense from the Raptors. So credit to them. Um, and credit to them for, like, allowing Jonathan Isaac to take seven threes. That's something you want. Like, Evan Fournier taking eight threes. He's a 34% three-point shooter. That's a thing you want. Seems like they're funneling a lot of shots to these guys. And, you know, Terrence Ross getting 13 up, probably not the thing you want because he can get so hot. And he almost swung the game entirely last night. But for the most part, I think the shots are going to the right guys. And it's been a really, really great defensive game plan so far for the Raps against a team that, again, doesn't really propose that many offensive threats. But it's uh, it's nice to see them be able to sort of hit that gear that they've hit at certain times this season anyway. But that's going to do it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, apologies for this being a very meandering and uh, all over the place podcast, but there was a lot to talk about in this one, so I'm not going to apologize too much. And uh, I, I appreciate you tuning in. New listeners, if you're new to the show, please consider subscribing, ranking, and reviewing on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. It's very much appreciated. And uh, also Himalaya as well, the new podcast app, which you should download. It's great for personally setting up your own podcast preferences and you know, kind of picking what you want. It's nice to personalize if you're in the market for a new podcast app. All right. That's going to do it. Enjoy Game 4 tomorrow. Enjoy the Maple Leafs going for a series win for the first time since 2004 on Sunday afternoon before the Raptors play. It's nice that they're not playing at the same time again because the two-TV setup last night was uh, very exhausting on my brain. Um, but it's a great time. It's Just soak it all in. The sports, they're good, and they're not going to be good always, so enjoy it while it's here. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Monday morning with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Enjoy Game 4. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.